welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 154 for Saturday the 25th of May 2019. Coming up this week, surprise, I just finished my fourth book of 2019 and a little earlier than I'd scheduled. The guy who reckons paperbacks aren't important just sold 60 of them at one sitting. I'll tell you how I did it. And the rapid release testing has begun already, even though I'm not getting serious about rapid release until September. Okay, so in a surprise move, I actually wrote an extra day this week. I just figured that it would be great, really just for organisation and tidiness and things like that, if I finished the book this weekend. So last weekend, I don't normally do this, as you know, but I did a park run last weekend and I didn't hang around at the end chatting. I just did the park run, uh, recovered so I could walk in a straight line jumped in the car, came back, had a shower and wrote last Saturday. So I'm a day ahead from what I thought, from where I thought I'd be when I spoke to you this time last week. So, so last Saturday, the 18th, I wrote 5,062 words. Last Sunday, I wrote 5,042 words. On Thursday, yesterday, at the time of recording this, I wrote 5,102 words. And in the last half hour, Friday the 24th of May, the day I'm recording this, I've just written the final 5,208 words. So this week, since we last spoke, I've written 20,424 words. And the total of the book in draft one form, now it's finished, is 77,708 words. So I always write over and over the kind of writing sessions that I have, you always accrue some extra words. So I'm kind of two and a half thousand words on top of what my daily targets were. So um, draft one is now finished. And I have to admit, um, you know, to being quite surprised by that, because it only feels like five minutes ago that I was telling you that I'd started it and I was struggling for an idea and I didn't think I was going to do it. So that's my fourth book of this year uh, now written. Uh, and I am surprised at that, to be honest with you. Um, I was quite surprised that I wrote last Saturday after a park run. It's not my preferred way to write, but actually just got on with it and got the writing done. And so that's another book finished. And I'm delighted by that. Uh, it's just going to sit there for a week or two now. I need to come up with the next idea because I very definitely could get another book written before summer. Now I've got it all planned out. I've, I've factored in running children around. Uh, to exams and all the things I've got to do in between now and summer, uh, running children to and fro university, you know, all the usual things you have to do. And uh, I'm pretty certain I can get another 75,000 word book written by the summer holiday. So I'm going to go for it. I think I've got an idea. Um, it came to me this week. The little twist came to me this morning when I was lying in bed. So I think I've got my next idea already, but I don't actually have to start writing now. How many weeks off have I got? I need to start writing again on Friday the 14th of June, which is in two weeks' time. So I've got two weeks to sketch this idea out and turn it into something that I can write uh, fairly swiftly. So um, draft one is now finished. Uh, It's going to sit and rest for a little while. Uh, I'll let my wife give it a read. 
I'm now running through the edits on So Many Lies. And this this is quite a bizarre experience because So Many Lies was written about this time last year. And I just decided not to release it because I'd already released a couple of standalone thrillers and I was making my money from Don't Tell Meg. And, you know, really, I just had no kind of capacity, um, you know, headspace, if you want, to, to market those books properly. So they've shifted a few, but I haven't sold very many of those standalones. And that's, of course, is why I'm returning to rapid release in September. So as part of that rapid release strategy, obviously, I've now got two books to throw in the pot. I've got So Many Lies, which I wrote a year ago, and I've got Left for Dead, which I've just finished writing. I'm going to have also to throw into that pot the book that I'm going to write in between now and summer. So it, I'm, I'm stacking them all up, ready for this rapid re-release in September. So, So Many Lies has come back from Helen Fazar now. I can't remember whether it was back last week or not. But anyhow, I, I've got So Many Lies back now. And this week in the evenings and in the spare time that, that I've had, I have been um, basically running through all the changes that my beta reader suggested. So I printed all those out, went through those and made sure they're all reflected in the final text. And I've also gone through all the changes that Helen has suggested. So all of that is done now. So in theory, I've now got a final version of the book. And what I was working on, uh, you know, last night and through the week was the version that Helen sent me with all the track changes on. Um, so I, if, if you look at it with track changes on, it looks like a complete nightmare. So la- last night when I'd finished making the changes, I removed all the markup, um, saved the document and have imported it back into Scrivener. And so it is now the latest edited version that I'm going to read through. So what I'm going to do now is over the next how many weeks, couple of weeks, I think it is. I said to Helen, I would have it back to her by the 16th of June at the latest, but I actually think I'm going to have it back by the 9th of June. But I've now scheduled into the evenings and into the weekends um, editing sessions where I'm now effectively going to, it's my, it's my final read of the final edited text. I'm now going to give it a final read, just making those last little tweaks of word choice if you want, if I need it. Um, you know, just I'm reading it through for spelling now. Helen's been through it from a, a kind of editorial point of view. We've put right any of the errors that I made in terms of the plot, in terms of I'm, I'm a devil for giving people the wrong names. There is one naming choice that Helen's raised that I've got to change in there but it was easier for me it's easier for me to do it at this stage I just it was ridiculous I got somebody called I mean you know even though I've checked it I still miss these things I had somebody a main character called Laura and a sub character who's only only mentioned over a couple of sentences called Lara and I hadn't even spotted that even though I'd read the thing um through a couple of times I'd still miss that um, but Helen caught it, Fortune. This is obviously why we put it through beta readers. And even the beta readers haven't caught that, incidentally, which is very interesting. So, you know, we're, we're picking things off at every stage where we're doing an edit. So what I've got to do now is I've got to read it through. My, my changes now will only be very minor changes. When I've done that as part of Helen's um, service, she will now, her editing service, she gives it a final read for me, which effectively is a final proofread. And, and then it's, it's good to go. It's ready for release. And again, it's just going to sit there. I'll pop it into Vellum. I'll get it all formatted, but nothing's going to happen with that book until September. And it will be the first probably of the rapid releases. And after I've gone through the edits of So Many Lies to a final version, I'm going to go through Left to Dead and I need to do my edits on Left to Dead. When I've done my edits on Left to Dead, I'm going to send it out to 
my beta readers because that was such a valuable service and then left for dead will need to go through that formal editing process and interestingly as i i hadn't scheduled left for dead left for dead is not going to go through helen because helen's not available um when i when i scheduled helen in for the year obviously you have to give uh, your editors your proofreaders uh, your copy editors you have to give them plenty of warning and um, they can't just drop everything for you so at the beginning of the year when i was telling helen what I thought I needed this year, um, I only scheduled in so many lies, which is a, is a substantial piece of work because it's a 90,000 word book. And because um, Helen had, had never gone over who to trust, I'd also scheduled her in for who to trust. And at the time I booked it in, I was thinking that who to trust would probably be the last book in my rapid release. And so it could wait till October, November. So um, I've got a five fifty thousand word book, who to trust scheduled in um, with Helen um, towards the end of the year. So she doesn't have any space, obviously, uh, to accommodate Left for Dead, which is a book I didn't think I would be writing this year, uh, nor this next year. I didn't think I'd be writing that much this year. I thought I was only going to be writing sci-fi this year um, through my collaboration with John and James Evans. So I've, I've changed my plans. So um, I will need to find a different editing vehicle for the 75,000 words of So Many Lies. Now, I do have a, another potential thriller collaboration that is bubbling under at the moment. And if that comes to fruition, that book will go through, just as my military sci-fis are going through John and James's editing procedures, if I do a thriller collaboration as part of my rapid re-release strategy, then so uh, Left for Dead and the book I'm about to write will go through uh, that person's editing and cover book cover process. But we're, we're just waiting to confirm that now. Now, what happened is the person that I might be collaborating with, I sent him and his beta readers the edited copy of so many lies not the final copy but it's the most polished version of that book i've got and they're going to read that through really just to see if it suits his audience and if it does then i will be offering left for dead and actually a trilogy of thrillers written very <laughs> very swiftly if this comes off i should be writing over summer if this comes off i will be offering um as part of this collaboration three thrillers which are going to be based around uh, Morecambe where Left for Dead is based so I've come up with three storylines based around Morecambe and that intertwine the characters they they kind of take characters in this first book that I've just finished writing today and they take a couple of characters forward and give them their own stories so um, you know I really am uh, <laughs> you know to a certain extent winging it at the moment but I may well be, obviously as well as writing my 20th book I may also be writing over summer whereas I hadn't intended to write over summer but this collaboration opportunity has just come up out of the blue uh, we're both quite keen to do it we just need to make sure that our styles suit and that this, this is something we can make work so that that rapid release plan that I've got from September uh, might all of a sudden be metamorphosing into a rapid release come collaborative rapid release program but I'll, I'll keep you in the loop about that but nothing to announce so far we're just um we're just sort of exchanging books um making sure that it would be a, a good uh, you know a good uh, a well a well fitting a well suited collaboration but as soon as i know anything if i can confirm anything i will let you know about that so it's all very interesting stuff um so um, so many lies basically I'm not writing now not for the next two weeks for the next two weeks I am doing my final edit and it's a pretty light edit to be honest with you of so many lies I'm just you know reading it through 
but because I don't really enjoy that editing process, I've really carved it into very small, manageable chunks. I'm coming to it super fresh all the time. So for instance, next week on Monday, not Monday, because that's a bank holiday in the UK, uh, actually not next week at all, uh, the week after, because it's a bank holiday and everything's a bit weird next week. Um, next, on Monday the 3rd, Monday, uh, Tuesday the 4th and Wednesday the 5th of June, for instance, I will just simply be reading uh, with great care in, in, um one chapter from So Many Lies. That, that'll be it. Just one chapter. And then I'm doing, what am I doing? So with So Many Lies, I am going to do on Saturday tomorrow, I will be reading three chapters over the course of a day. On Sunday, I'll read three chapters over the course of a day. Next Sunday, I'll do my final read of three chapters over the course of a day. And then I'll do one chapter over the course of a night. So I'm, I'm really, really, I've carved it up so that I'm never doing like 10 chapters in a day. Uh, the most I'm doing in a day is three chapters. And then after work, when I've done my day job, I'll be doing one chapter. So all the time I come to this, I'm, I'm totally fresh. I'm not thrashing it. And I've done that intentionally because, as you know, I don't really enjoy editing. Um, so I, I've really carved it up into bite-sized chunks. So I'm always fresh, always enthusiastic about that that kind of concentration process. I guess you know it's like if I was reading the book, I'd be quite happy sitting down reading the book. I guess it's just it's it, I guess it's what parts of your brain it uses to do the edits, and, and I don't really like using whatever parts of the brain I have to use to edit. I don't really like using those parts of the brain. I like them. I like using the parts of the brain that let me be creative. Um, so it must be you know. Some psychologists would figure that out and tell me what it is. It would be right side, left side, whatever it is. Uh, but that's why I struggle with with editing. It's just it's just the process that I don't um, enjoy. But anyhow, I have found I have found that I, I do enjoy it if I carve it up and don't thrash it. It's very manageable, very enjoyable if I put it into, into bite sized chunks. So that's how I'll be doing it over the next fortnight. And also over the next fortnight, obviously, I need to get bring this this story idea to fruition. As I say, it has to be based in the world of Left 4 Dead. It's going to be based around Morecambe. Um, I know the two characters that I'm going to develop. And, and basically in this trilogy, you know, if it happens, if we go ahead with this collaboration, in fact, I, I will write it as a trilogy now, but they're not successive trilogies. Um, it's going to be a different style of a trilogy. So it's not like book one, cliffhanger, book two, cliffhanger, book three, resolution. They're actually going to be, this will be a trilogy based around Morecambe Bay. I'll probably call it the Morecambe Bay Trilogy. Um, for want of a better title. And um, the characters that I use will appear in each of the three stories, but in each part of the trilogy, I will take one character and focus on their story, even though the other characters, they will be mentioned and they will make guest star appearances. So they'll be the protagonist in one of part of the trilogy, and there'll be minor characters at the other parts of the trilogy. Um, but again, I've, I've got a basic idea, a basic structure uh, that will make that work. I just need to flesh those stories out now to make sure I got 75,000 words in them. Incidentally, um, this is the first book I've written to 75,000 words. I've written to, uh, uh, you know, I might have written near 75,000 words by accident before, but, but by intention, I've written to 50,000 words um, so my, uh, what are, what are they called? My sci-fi books, my dystopian books, they were written to 50,000 words. And I wrote the Don't Tell Meg trilogy to 90,000 words. This is the first time I've intentionally written to 75,000 words. And I got to say to you that actually I, I really like writing to that length. It feels more substantial than a 50,000 word book. Um, you know, it feels like a, a proper length book, but obviously it doesn't take as long 
as a 90,000 word book. So you've got that combination of speed and substance. And I, and I, and I really enjoyed writing to 75,000 words. Um, you know, so the next two trilogies are going to be 75,000 words. It also, of course, gives you that advantage of, when you're in KDP Select of getting a decent number of reads in a book too, you know, so 50,000 words is a shorter book. Again, when you're playing the reads game, um, when you're in KDP Select and you're playing that game in rapid release, 75,000 words is a nice number. So I think it feels to me, having just written 75,000 words for the first time with Left 4 Dead, that I got a lovely balance there between a good book length, a substantial book length, really good value for 399 um, you know, four ninety nine. There's no doubt about the value of that book for that at that price range. You've also got the benefit of reads, but also it's a speedy book to write. You know, not writing ninety thousand, not writing a hundred thousand. It's um, to me, it feels like a kind of sweet spot. So um, we'll see how we get on. The other two will be written to seventy five thousand words. I'll see how I get on and see whether I'm going to stick with that. Okay, so loads of uh, writing and uh, editing news this week. Let's move on to my general news. I was able to submit The Secret Bunker to um, BookBub again this week, and I was hoping I'd have some news for you. Let me just check my emails, make sure it hasn't come in at the last minute. No, I was hoping to have some news for you this week, but I haven't heard from BookBub at the time of recording this, so it's going to have to get carried forward until next week. Um, as to whether they're going to let me advertise the secret bunker. Um, we're, we're well into the teens now of rejections on the secret bunker. So I have no expectation. I'm literally just persistently resubmitting it every month now, uh, with no particular expectation that they'll accept it. Um, but it's all quiet as far as BookBub is concerned. Uh, I'll let you know in next week's diary whether they knock me back or whether they accept me. Now, here's some really interesting news. And this is from the guy who, in his three-year anniversary, said that paperbacks aren't a big deal, that I don't prioritise paperbacks. I mean, I always make sure my books are available in paperback format. Every single one of my books is available in paperback format. I just don't, it's just not a big market for me, is is my my view of, of paperbacks. And and so I, I'm now producing paperbacks more cheaply, just so that they're available as an option for readers if they want them. Well, guess who sold £429.35 worth of books over the last weekend? Yep. Um, guess where they came from, of course. It was a 60-book order from The Secret Bunker. So it was an order worth £429.35 pence from the man who, who says paperbacks aren't important. Now, you know, I don't make a lot of money out of that. I think I made about 85 quid from that. It's it's not a lot of money. Um, what I'm particularly pleased with is this wonderful ongoing support that I get from The Secret Bunker. And James at The Secret Bunker, he always forwards me the PayPal receipt that he gets to let me know that he's placed an order. And I always write a note back and say, thank you very much, you know, how much I really appreciate their support. But what was really pleasing is that um, he, he bought 20 copies of each part of the trilogy. So for a while now, when, when they first started supporting my books, they, they, they bought the, the first 
three copies of the trilogy. And then over time, they moved on to book one. And I assume that was because they'd sold obviously more copies of book one and fewer of the other parts of the trilogy. And I'm assuming now that they've ordered another 20 of each because they're flogging them all. They've all, they've all gone and they've managed to sort of match off the trilogies and they've got rid of the, the sort of spare copies of book two and book three that they had. I mean, you would expect people to buy more of book one than you would more of book two and three. So I was delighted to see that they bought 20 books of each. Um, you know, an order of 429 quid's worth, um, 85 pounds worth of profit to me. Um, but you know, that's not a lot of money. It's not life changing money. I, I think really the, what I take from that is just how pleased I am and how valuable it is to have a partner like the, the secret bunker as a location to be stocking and selling my books. And, and when James emails me and I, when I always say thank you, he always says, um, I think they're the best selling books in the shop. You know, they have lots of books there, lots of military books and things like that. And he always says, you know, as far as we're concerned, you're a best selling author, which is just lovely for me. Um, and, and what a great partnership that's been. Um, you know, I, I genuinely love the bunker. It's why it inspired me to write the stories. And it's just this beautiful relationship. They, they stock the books, they sell them because I don't have a price on them. They have quite a good markup. I mean, they make their profit on those books, even though they buy them from me through um, Amazon. Um, I, I have them priced cheaply on Amazon. I think they sell them for about 10 quid. Um, so they make a couple of, they probably make more profit on them than I do, actually, <laughs> come to think of it. But, you know, I don't mind that. This is why I recommend not pricing your books um, on CreateSpace, because it means my partners can sell them at whatever price they want to. And it allows everybody to take their cut. You know, I make some profit, about a pound, pound a book, about, no, it's about 80p, 90p a book I make. Uh, they're making a couple of quid a book. And that's great because it's part of their business. I have no problem with that at all. Um, and also, obviously, where people buy book one, I cross trail books two and three. And I've no doubt that people buy the first book at The Secret Bunker. And when they like it, they go and buy other books on Amazon. So it, it works beautifully. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, relationship. And it was never by design on my part. You know, it sounds so canny and clever in retrospect, but it wasn't. Um, when I contacted The Secret Bunker, I'd written the book. And I just thought, well, you know, I better let them know I've written this book in case, number one, they want to protest or, or tell me they're going to sue me if I publish it. And I have to change the venue quickly to something fictional. Um, you know, or if people start coming to the bunker saying, we've read this book all about you and they weren't aware of it. So I did it as a courtesy, really, just to let them know. And from day one, they embraced it. And, um, you know, it's turned out to be a fantastic thing for both of us. So I, I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> and again, it just made me tissy, you know, from the man who'd said, he doesn't, paperbacks aren't an important part of his business. You know, I, I got to say those secret bunker books are, that they are an important part of the business. The other thing is uh, my MailChimp book, which as you know, is out of date. Um, is it two, 2016, 2017? It's quite clear on the description that it's an old book, uh, that it needs updating. I'm not going to update it now. Not now MailChimp have changed everything. Um, I shall just walk away from it. So it's just, it's an old book. It's like an old for dummies book. Um, you know, that's just sitting on Amazon and some people still buy it. That book's on course to make me a hundred pound this month. Um, from an old book that's out of date that quite clearly says it's out of date. Um, it's not completely out of date in that, um, when you go to the MailChimp interface, everything about the MailChimp interface, all the information I give you is correct. 
It's just that MailChimp has kind of changed the dashboard. That's the only thing that's changed. But all the information in it's correct. If it was completely, completely wrong, I would take it off now. But but it's not. You know, it's it's fine. Um, and people, if they buy it, could return it. They can refund it if they want to through Amazon. I'm completely open about it. In fact, if you read the the beginning bit of the book, if you read the what is it, the look inside section, you can see. And the introduction that I've added since I republished it, that it says this book needs rewriting, um, you know, but in the meantime, here's my take on GDPR. Um, it's perfectly open and honest. So I've no problem with selling it, but it's going to make me a hundred quid this month. Um, you know, a hundred quid or thereabouts, um, from a, from a paperback that's three years old. So I use that only to illustrate how books are an asset for us and that they can make us money at any time. Um, how non-fiction, how easy it is for me to sell non-fiction. I'm not really doing anything with that. It kind of sells itself. Um, you know, and just how old books can keep making you money. The Secret Bunker are my oldest books, just made 420, 30 quid sales um, from a book that's, you know, four to five years old. Um, so the key point really is that books are assets. You know, don't ever think that just because you launched your first book three years ago and it never sold, don't ever think that you can't come back to that book and resell it and repackage it and put a new cover on it. You've done the work. It is an asset in your business. Don't ever give up on a book. Rewrite it, put a cover on it, get it re-edited. Uh, you know, if it's not selling, market it differently, put it into a series. There are so many things you could do for a book that didn't sell first time round. And look at The Secret Bunker. You know, I, I don't rate The Secret Bunker as one of my most successful books, but in its niche, in its, in its area... Um, it's still going strong. You know, it's still making money for me, uh, even though I don't consider it to be my most successful book. So I thought you'd want to know all about that. That's The Secret Bunker, 60 books in a weekend. Oh, by the way, um, I contacted James and sent him over the 25th anniversary stickers that I got done. So now, now I know they're restocking the books. It is the 25th anniversary of The Secret Bunker installation or location being open to the public so I sent James those stickers to pop on the books now I know he's got 20 of them and he could use that as part of his marketing to, to big up their 25th anniversary celebrations something I didn't expect to be doing until it was my rapid release time in September was advertising my books again I'm actually in a situation now where I'm going to be taking my thrillers off sale they're going to be disappearing they're getting delisted so I'm looking I'm looking really now at a time when my income is going to decline um, because I'm going to be taking books off sale and obviously that's I'm going to take a hit in my pocket on that um, because I need to be revamping those books putting new covers on them getting ready for that rapid re-release in September so I'm, bra I'm bracing myself for income coming down but um, I, I interviewed Adam Nichols, as you know, who is a thriller writer, and I was listening to his his rapid release strategies. And I actually know this from the first time I interviewed Adam. I know um, that he's a big fan of and continues to be a big fan of Robin Reed's Bargain Booksy and e-reader news today. And um, you'll hear in the interview how he's using those as part of his rapid release strategy. So having interviewed Adam, and I'm, I'm, I know it's frustrating for you to hear me talking about the interview, and it's not released until the first Monday in June. But believe me, it'll all be there in, in the interview. You'll be able to listen to it for yourself. But obviously, because I've done that interview, now, there's a few things I wanted to act upon, having heard Adam describe them to me. But what I wanted to do is, while Don't Tell Meg is still 
listed and live. And remember, with Don't Tell Meg, I'm, I'm still dithering about it, it's due for another book bub around August time. And I'm still not sure with Don't Tell Meg whether to start my rapid release off with Don't Tell Meg, because, you know, that's a moneymaker and it's good for traffic, or whether to save Don't Tell Meg to see how the rapid release goes and then maybe as uh, uh, and then maybe to give um, don't tell mega a makeover new titles maybe and add it to the rapid release if the rapid release goes well and I need to find three new books quickly so I could you know I could re- re- relaunch don't tell Meg I could give it a light edit based on all the feedback I've had a lot of feedback now I'm into 100 and something reviews um, on amazon.com on that book now you know so it, it would take a re-edit a repointing if you want to call it that um, I could give it new titles and it could go at the end of a rapid release too or potentially I could do both so <laughs> I could sort of start with don't tell Meg just to get my kind of author name my books up there with a with a book bub if I get one soon enough then start to rapid re-release books from cold uh, and then potentially over the, the months that that rapid re- release is going on Reno's don't tell Meg and, and p- make it part of a rapid re-release so anyhow all these things are up in, in the air but anyhow at the moment um don't tell Meg is um on KDP Select um, I'm testing it on KDP Select, so I'm getting reads from it. The whole trilogy is on KDP Select now. It's been delisted from wide, and I'm looking at the reads game on it now. Um, Adam Nichols in the interview is going to give you a stunning figure for the percentage of his income that comes from reads. Stunning, right? Stop me in my tracks when he told me. So what I wanted to do with Don't Tell Meg, bearing in mind the other thrillers, I'm working them to de- delisting now was I wanted to do a 99 pence or cents promo on Don't Tell Meg. Now, I've never really done this before. I've only, with my promos, I've really only seriously gone for free. I've never really done 99 pence or cents before. And if you listen back to the interview that I did with Kirsten Oliphant, she only does 99 pence and cents. She doesn't do free. Uh, I don't think she, I'm pretty sure she doesn't do free, nor does she do bookbub. Um, she doesn't do the bookbubs either. And of course you can, price on bookbub too which i haven't done i've never put a priced book on bookbub i've only ever done free books on bookbub so for instance there's no reason at all knowing how good the read through is on don't tell meg for instance i could put don't tell meg through as a 99 pence cents promo because i know i'm going to get the read throughs even though I'll, I'll shift fewer copies i know i'll get a certain percentage of read throughs at full price on books two and three. So I've never done that before. I've never had the guts to do that before. But I am, I do want to give 99 pence and cents a try at the moment because I'm hearing so many people using it as part of their promotion strategy. So what I've done is I have listed Don't Tell Meg at 99 pence and cents on Robin Reads, which I've never used before. I thought I'd used Robin Reads and I haven't. Couldn't find any evidence having used it before. So I've listed on Robin Reads. I've listed on Bargain Booksy, which I have used before. And I'm just waiting to hear from e reader news today to see whether they're going to give me a listing uh, taking a long time about it actually they they say we'll get back to you within seven days but that's it's pretty slow actually isn't it compared to everybody else but i'm still waiting to hear from me reader news today but i'm intending i've got different dates i'm not doing them all on the same day because i want to be able to test them and see what traffic i get from them um so they're all about a week apart um but i've got uh when are they coming i, I i've already priced don't tell meg down so i've got a bargain booksy promo on monday the 27th which is bank holiday monday i've then got a robin reads promo on the 7th of june and i've i've 
scheduled or I've asked for a date with e-reader news today, uh, either somewhere in between there um, or after it. So I wanted to separate it so that I could judge how well each promotion does, because those are probably the promotional um, services that I'm going to use um, to to promote the books when I'm doing rapid release. Uh, and, they're, and they're ones that are mentioned and used by Adam. You'll hear that interview at the beginning of June and by Kiss and Oliphant. And, and they're both doing really well as a result of that. So um, I'm trying the 99 pence or cents price point. One of the things I might also try with Don't Tell Meg, and I have to just check the regulations, whether I can, I'm not sure whether when you do a priced promo on BookBub, whether it's separate from a free promo. I just need to check that. I have a feeling they're the same things. So they probably wouldn't let me, they probably wouldn't let me try and sell don't tell Meg at the moment, but I might be able to get away with the box set, which is a separate product. So I might try, if I'm feeling brave, um, a 99 pence or cents promo with BookBub, because what that would do is it will move me up the rankings. It will help me get reads as well. Um, it, but, but because I'm paying it, it will help me get up the rankings better on Amazon. So this is something that I may or may not do. I'll let you know. It's all exciting stuff though, isn't it? All, all sorts of things happening at the moment. Um, I got a, uh, an email. Was it an email? Yeah, I got an email. Sorry, I got an email and I got a um, comment on my blog from uh, Bill Kokus, who's a regular listener to this show. Bill, uh, thanks ever so much for your kind comments about the show. It's lovely to know that people like Bill, uh, you know, listen week in, week out. Uh, it's lovely to have so many regular listeners who drop me emails. Um, I always enjoy getting your, your messages in your emails, however they come in. Um, but Bill had commented on last week's show notes where I'd been talking about Take Off Your Pants. And one of the books I'd suggested uh, that that uh, Libby, I forgot what her name is, whoever whoever wrote Take Off Your Pants. I can't see her name from Libby Hawker. Yeah. Um, one of the books that she'd recommended was Anatomy of Story by a guy called John Truby. And I'd commented on last week's podcast. So, you know, that looks really good, Anatomy of Story. Um, so Bill's left a comment. Actually, it made me laugh because I, I kind of read between the lines and I heard what he was saying here. Uh, Bill said, uh, Paul, take off your pants is a great resource, as is Anatomy of Story. However, if you come across John Truby pitching a webinar or a course, stay far away. I speak from experience. And that it just made me laugh because, you know, just because you can write a great book and just because you're knowledgeable doesn't necessarily mean, you, mean that you can teach in person, you know, or you can stand up and do a lecture. And uh, Bill, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> so um, the recommendation for anatomy of story continues um, but um, I suggest, um, you know, when when Bill's saying uh, watch it with a webinar or a course, um, use some due diligence. Um, I do hear what you're saying there, Bill. And um, Bill also um, followed that up with an email this week, and um, he he it was this is a great photo. Bill um, has shared a photograph of a pile of books that he's been using to help with with his writing and it's got um, there's a it's a great collection there and some I don't know about. So I. I said to Bill, do you mind if I just share this on the resources page? Or rather than read the whole list out, can I just share that pile of books? Because I'm sure uh, everybody would have love to have a look at that and, and maybe check out some of the books there. And um, on this pile of books, you've got Save the Cat, Not Write a Novel. You've got a, a book called Story Engineering, Writing and Selling Your Mystery Novel, Story Genius. There's, there's several in there that I've never heard of. Um, and so I'm going to go through the list. And there's John Truby's book, by the way, The Anatomy of Story. That's in the pile too. Just, just, you know, we're not dissing John Truby. We're just saying, you know, 
take care with the webinars. The book sounds like it's brilliant and it's in Bill's um, pile there. So um, head to the show notes for this week. I'm not going to read the whole list because there must be about 15 or 20 in that pile. Uh, the, the pile just speaks for itself. Uh, you can see all the spines. You can see all the titles. Uh, but thanks, Bill, ever so much for your kind comments. Thanks for sharing the photo. If you head for the show notes for this week, you'll be able to take a look at that excellent collection of books that Bill has used in his writing career. I just wanted to recommend to you the editing podcast by Denise Cowell and Louise Harnby. Um, it's a great little podcast. Um, they they had mentioned, I know Louise had recommended my podcast. It's also incestuous, isn't it? But Louise had, had recommended me as a listener for people listening to her podcast. And um, I I'd kind of, I was busy when she'd done that. And I'd read the transcript to see how they'd mentioned me rather than listen to the podcast. And this week she retweeted that. And I thought they mentioned me again. And um, I had a moment because I can't remember what I was doing, but I was doing something where I could listen to the podcast. I actually listened to an episode and it's it's a brilliant podcast. It's really, really good. Um, so I, uh, so that's another podcast on my list, <laughs> my growing list of podcasts to listen to. But the good news about the editing podcast is that Denise and Louise, they do it by seasons. So I think it was, I think was I episode 12, something like that. So I think there was something like 12 episodes in the first season. So it's manageable. It's not like, uh, you know, it hasn't got like a, a million episodes like mine has. So if you discover it, you've got all these back episodes to listen to if you enjoy it. Um, there are a manageable number, uh, but the information for editing is like gold dust. It was really good. They were talking in, in the episode that I was mentioned on. They were talking about how much notice to give your editor and, you know, how much time an editor needs for a, a, a light proofread or, a, you know, a proper, um, what, what do they call it? You know, a substantial editor, uh, uh, an edit where they're looking at your plot and everything and, and how much time they need for a copy edit. And in fact, I alluded to it at the beginning here saying that I can't just drop uh, a book on Helen Fazan and expect her to clear her schedule for it. You know, she's got booking, she makes her, takes her bookings all through the year and I have to give a very good notice if I want to book her in. So uh, that was an excellent episode. And, and now having listened to the presentation style of the ladies, you know, they get on very well. Um, you know, they, they, they work really, really well together. Uh, Denise is primarily, primarily nonfiction. Louise is primarily, primarily fiction. Though I think they've both done a bit of, of both in the past. Um, but they bounce really well off each other. It's very light very accessible. And I thought when I was listening to it, I thought, oh, you know, here's another podcast that I'm going to have to add to my very long queue of podcasts I listen to. But again, I'm going to recommend it to you as a great resource. It's the editing podcast. I'll put a link or I have put a link and the episode that I mentioned in on the resources page for this episode. Um, oh, by the way, and uh, Louise, if you're listening, um, I, I do intend to get you on the podcast if we can to have a session about editing. Um, as you know, as a regular listener, there have been people like Adam Nichols that I've been trying to get, Jerry Evanoff that I've been trying to pin down, and um, obviously uh, Kirsten Oliphant. You know, there, there, and, uh, there are people that I want to tie down on the podcast. And because I've, I've reached out to them when I started doing interviews again, they're all booked in now. So I am intending to knock at your door and book you in, and I will give you sufficient notice. But I'm looking at um, I'm looking at running your interview on the first Monday in September. I don't want to record it too early, though, because we kind of, um, you, you know, if I record too early with people, the interviews become dated. So um, if you are listening, I'll be getting in contact probably august time, uh, end of July, august time, to try and get you booked in with a view to running that editing interview um, first week of September. So there you go. That's a date for your diary. 
My monthly email goes out on Sunday. So I send my monthly author email out on the last Sunday of every month. And as you know, this has been working really well for me. Very happy with how it's going. Um, we had over 225 responses to last month's author question. And I've asked another author question this month. We'll see how it goes. So my monthly email goes out this Sunday. And uh, because I'm using MailerLite, I always set it up with what's called an auto resend to people who don't open the first one. So the first email will go out on Sunday. You should always leave people at least 24 hours to get to your email. My automated resend will go out on Wednesday. So I give people a couple of days to read it. And if they haven't read it by then, I resend it automatically with MailerLite. I love that function. Um, it's called a resend to no opens. Basically, it gives people a second chance to read the email. And I have, um, what I have done is I've, change I always change the headline because my view always is if it's gone into their inbox once and they didn't open it then put a different headline on it to encourage them to open it so um, that's going out on Sunday Uh, if you haven't subscribed to my email list then uh, go to any of my websites and you'll you'll find it pretty easily you'll be able to sign up pretty easily Um, this month's author question um, I might tweak it actually even though the email is primed and ready to go but I, I might just reword it I was thinking about it today but at the moment this month's author question is what would make you return a book for a refund so I'm looking at you know I'm looking for comments about book covers or um you know, formatting. But when I was thinking about it this morning over breakfast, I thought I might just reframe the question slightly and change it to what would make you uh, look at a book and decide not to buy it. You know, why would you look at a book on Amazon or on a bookshelf and then put it back on the shelf and decide not to buy it? It's going to be a, it's going to be like that. So I might just rephrase that question. The email's queued up. It doesn't go out till something like six o'clock on Sunday evening. So I can go back into it and, and just change that, just edit that question and then resend, you know, re queue it. So I might just finesse that question a little bit. Uh, it's quite important. I mean, I know this because I, I worked on radio phone ins for years. It's very, You've got to get, you've got to frame the question correctly to get the right kind of response. If you, if, if the question's too closed, you won't get any responses. If it's too broad, you won't get anything useful. Um, so you've got to frame questions in a way that elicits a response, an emotional response from people. So I think I could probably improve that question and just refine it a little bit more. Um, so it'll probably change just a little bit. But if you want to see what the question is, um, you know, the best way to follow those monthly emails is to subscribe to my, my readers list. Just go to what's the best. I'll give you a site to go to. What's the best site to go to? If you just go to my, uh, go to my author page or go to my thriller list, uh, go to my thriller site. So go to paulteague.net or paulteague.co.uk. If, if you're not on my uh, email list and if you can't find it, just drop me an email and I'll show you how to do it. Uh, and then you can follow those emails as they come along and you might be able to nick some ideas from it. Um, I, I'm all happy, happy to share. Um, you know, if you get some ideas from my emails, you're welcome to use those. Okay. So let me just check my emails. BookBub haven't got back to me yet. So I'm sorry, half the press. I can't tell you whether I've got a thumbs up or a thumbs down from BookBub, but I will let you know about that next week. No writing in the week ahead. That's me done for writing for the next fortnight now. I'm going to turn to editing of So Many Lies. Final edits now, so it's nice and light. It doesn't use too much brain power to do that. Effectively, we're on a proofread now, a final proofread. And, and I still know that there's another, um, you know, another net to catch it because Helen always gives it a final read for me. So that's what I'm doing for the week ahead. It is actually 
in the UK. It's half term week. So um, I've actually got some skive days next week, um, you know, based around the editing. So I'm really, it's quite a light week as far as author work is concerned. Next week, I've got the Bargain Booksy promo on Bank Holiday Monday. On the Monday or the Thursday of next week, I'm going down to uh, pick up my son's stuff from university to clear out his room. Um, we've only got two working days next week and then next Friday and Saturday I'm off on a jolly with my wife uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you more about this next week but we're off on a jolly and I'm going to do a park run somewhere somewhere new next week so to be honest with you is it's half term my wife's off you know the kids are coming back from you all that sort of stuff um, it is mainly going to be a domestic week and I'm going to try and squeeze some editing in as I can and then I'll be back to proper editing work the week after and I start writing again or I'm scheduled to start writing so long as the brain gets into gear and I can come up with a properly plotted or sketched out story I start writing again on Friday the 14th of June so thank you very much for listening I will have another diary update for you next Saturday in the meantime whatever you're doing in your author career have a great week of writing bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.